I love that prayer. Praying for the Browns. That's it. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's called unity. We're going we're gonna to win this battle. Is that right? How many are rooting for the Browns today, by the way? Let me just ask. Just, so I'm asking. I know that uh, normally what happens to the Friedrich family when we get a special day like today where the Browns are actually in the playoffs, that's amazing. Uh, we, we, we get together, uh, Adam and, and uh, the boys and, and the family, and we get together. Uh, and so Pastor Adam's gone. This is very, very difficult for him. You have to understand that. But uh, we're going to do it at my house today, and we're going to get together, and we're going to bring home a victory. What do you say? What do you say? Root with us. Praise the Lord. Uh, welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, glad that all those that have joined us online, what a blessing it is to have you join us. Uh, we want to release our children to their classrooms, and, and uh, I, hopefully you're ready to prepare to receive the word of the Lord. Just before I start, um, uh, this, a quick announcement. Wednesday nights, we're having our midweek services, and man, we're having a really, really good time. It's something special. Anyhow, join us uh, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. You can join us online, of course, but you can also join us in person, and uh, it's wonderful today in the 8.30 service, several people who had been sick with the virus that are back, and uh, they're all excited and said, man, we love online, but it's good to be back home and with people, praise the Lord. But today is a special Sunday, and whether you're uh, totally aware of that or not, uh, hopefully you will be, because you remember back in October on our 10-4 Bible conference, we made the announcement, part of our announcement at least, was that uh, Steve and uh, Monique Perez were going to uh, pioneer a new campus. And uh, that, that's such an exciting thing. Of course, we've had all kinds of um, uh, difficulties, if you will, uh, getting ready for this uh, season, this time. Uh, but, but we are today going to lay hands on Pastor Ted and Lana Ryback to become pastors, uh, campus pastors over the church there at the North Campus. Oh, amen. Really excited about that. And uh, last week we were there in the, uh, uh, in the North Campus, and I ministered there, and we laid hands on uh, uh, Pastor Ted there. Today we're going to do that same thing as senders into uh, that, that position of ministry. Amen. And so uh, as we do that, uh, I want to minister, I think it's appropriate that we minister on a subject that, that is often overlooked in Bible study, often overlooked in pastoral preaching, administering, something we should not ever do, but we do. And I think the reason is because I'm going to speak on the value and the importance of a pastor. And of course, me being a pastor is very difficult. Sometimes it seems to minister on a subject what the Bible says about yourself. But um, uh, what today, uh, as we do this, what we realize is that as a result of this subject not being preached or ministered to probably as uh, often or as in-depth as, as it should be, uh, what happened is there comes a misunderstanding of the role of a pastor. And I think what we see today is uh, when you use that term, pastor, all kinds of different things come up in different minds of people. Sometimes people think of pastors that have done uh, wrong. They have not served well. Uh, maybe got into involvement of, of uh, sexual misconduct or possibly financial impropriety. We might think about 
uh, megachurch pastors or celebrity pastors that are on television, extreme wealth, and all those sorts of things. And, and um, well, I, we recognize that as we minister on this, a pastor uh, is something totally different than that, what comes up in a lot of people's minds. And so uh, the Bible speaks to it in depth, and it speaks about a pastor as in reference of being a shepherd. And uh, Sister Carrie, of course, ministered that, uh, spoke that a little earlier in our service. But if you take a, a, a look at the terminology that is used in the Bible, that of a shepherd, this is a hard, this is a selfless, this is a, a difficult uh, job that is, is, is happening. It's not a well necessarily paid position. It's certainly not something that people strive to become because of the prestige that it gives you. Uh, but the Bible talks about a shepherd and they're to overwatch, to look over the souls of individuals. Scripture talks about it this way, where uh, they would leave the 99 and grab the one. Now, this is not necessarily something that happens much today. We don't see that as, as promoted, but the Bible does declare it that the shepherd watches over individual sheep. It also talks about them uh, overseeing the welfare and the herd of the whole of the flock. They have to be led. And, and so Jesus himself is the example. He's referred to as a shepherd or a pastor, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so we know that when we talk about a, a pastor, that the under pastor, Jesus, the great pastor, the, the, the great shepherd, and, and those of us that serve uh, individuals, serve the body of Christ, are under shepherds. Uh, and Jesus should be the role model of that, 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 that role, of that position. So it's been, for me, 36 years since uh, Bonnie and I and uh, little Adam who was in the fourth grade at that time. Uh, we left our comfortable life in Orange County, I mean in Kingman, Arizona, to begin a new work for God here in Orange County. And at that time, uh, I had no idea what was in front of me. I didn't understand the enormity of the task that was placed in front of us. I didn't understand the pressure that would result as uh, being a part of that. And, but what had happened is I'd had this supernatural encounter with the Lord, and as a result of that, I wanted everybody to know uh, the life that Jesus had for us, that he didn't want us living down here, he wanted us living way up here in the presence of the Almighty. And so I felt compelled in my spirit to leave our home and to come here to uh, Orange County and begin to work for God. We rented a little building and we set it about to establish a church for him. Converts that we sought after, walking the streets, talking to people, winning them to Christ, bringing them in, preaching and teaching them the principles of the word of God to unify them and showing them that there's a better way to live your life when you come to Jesus Christ as the Lord. And of course, as a result, over the last 36 years of my life, we've seen many people change. We've seen great things that transpired. I mean, I've ministered here and led our church through periods of extreme growth where God was just on uh, everything that we were doing, people coming to the altar, weeping, getting saved, outreaches and evangelistic work that transpired. It's 
unbelievable results that we've seen. I've seen pastor of the church through the releasing of pastors, laying hands on people, sending them out internationally even, preaching conferences and beginning fellowships of churches overseas. And so, uh, but, but, but I've also pastored the church in times where people were leaving the church and, and were disgruntled and unhappy. I, I've led it through uh, times when I personally I've been sick or I didn't really feel well. And of course, that uh, within my family as well. I've pastored through financial crises and, and building projects, difficult seasons. I, I've pastored through times when people had died, leaders in our church had died, very sad times. And so uh, as I look back, some of the times pastoring a church is fun <laughs> and it's very rewarding. I mean, great things happen, but there's also times where it's not so much like that, where it's difficult and painful and uh, uh, just a, a really heartbreaking time. But as I look back, I am convinced now more than ever that the value of a pastor, the need of a pastor is greater now than it's ever been. That a pastor is there to encourage people in difficult times, to correct people when they get prideful or get off the mark, to challenge people uh, to do what's right in their lives, to, 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 to plan the direction of a church and, and to lead them forward even in difficult times. After all, the Bible says it in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, God speaking, he says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart, and they will guide you with knowledge and with understanding. And so the God actually says, I'm going to gift to the church. I'm going to make a gift to you. I'm going to give you a pastor or a leader, a shepherd that, that will lead you and guide you and teach you in the ways of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 4, in the New Testament now, that's confirmed where the Bible says in verse 11, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And of course, he lists the pastor the teacher within the body of Christ and, 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 and they gives them a responsibility and that responsibility is to prepare people and train people to do the work of the ministry till we come into the unity where, where the Bible says the body comes together to become the body of Christ in an area, in a community. Peter speaks to it in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. And he speaks to those that are pastoring. He says, look, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Think about that for a moment. It's not a choice that a pastor makes, but God calls, God empowers, God anoints. And then God says, I entrust these people to you. He goes over and says, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you can get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't, don't lord it over people. Don't, 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 don't uh, uh, you know, uh, take that authority and abuse it. He says, but rather uh, 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 lead them by the power of a good example. And so once again, we see Peter saying, look, this is, this is not something light or trivial. But God has empowered a leader, a shepherd, to watch over the flock, over individual people. In Acts chapter 20, Paul's speaking to the same issue, and he says, So guard yourself and God's people 
feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. And so he says the church doesn't belong to the pastor, it belongs to God. He's the one that purchased it with his own blood, but he did appoint by the Holy Spirit and anoint leaders to watch over and to lead that church forward. Now when I think back, since 1985, when we, and I began my, my role as pastor, so much has changed. I think back, it's almost unbelievable, but there was no internet when I pastored the church. There was no email, if you can imagine that. And so uh, 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 we, we look back and we think so much has happened and so much has changed, but the need of a change has never, the need of a pastor rather has never changed. Rather, it has become more and more necessary over the years. I've pastored a church um, through all kinds of different situations. I, I think back 1985, I was pioneering a church, just a few people, and Chernobyl transpired. Now, if you're young enough that you don't know what Chernobyl was, it was in the Ukraine, a nuclear meltdown, and, 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 and there was all kinds of people that were out on television talking about this is the end of the world and all that was going to transpire. In 86, there was the black, was known as Black Friday, the biggest one-day drop in the stock market in the history of the, of the world, even up till right now. There was the Ebola crisis, Y2K, 9-11. There was uh, the wars that have transpired in the Middle East that we've gone through. We've gone through the stock market collapse that just happened here recently. And now, of course, the, uh, 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 the, the global pandemic that we're facing and uh, the Supreme Court rulings that seem to take us farther and farther away from the, 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 the law of God. And as we approach these end times, as we go through these circumstances, we have to realize that they're not going to get any easier. It's going to get harder. That's what the Bible says, that these what we're experiencing now are nothing but birth pangs, the early stages of the definite uh, 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 trauma that our world is going to go forth through the birthing of the return of Jesus Christ. And so now we see that as important as pastoral leadership was back in 85 and through all these crises, it's going to be more and more important for your life uh, as we go forward uh, into the future. Can I hear you say amen? I can promise you that through it all, I have taken uh, the charge of pastoring extremely uh, 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 carefully. I've realized that, that, that the calling on my life is something that's been given to me by God. I recognize that, that I have taken responsibility to oversee a church. I have taken the responsibility of overseeing other churches and, and campuses that have gone forth. I have pastored and helped people get into ministry and start new, new campuses. Uh, today, their third year anniversary, Pastor Adam, our lead pastor now, that is there preaching at that conference. And he, by the way, the report's coming back. Great things are happening there in Albuquerque. Even to the transference, I've pastored this church even to transferring the leading of it to Pastor Adam and Carrie. And I can promise you 
that, that through it all, I stand steadfast realizing that it's a calling that God has placed over my life. It's a responsibility. And so today with that in mind, allow me to minister from Philippians chapter number 2. And I, I, I can, these words that are written here uh, are so profound. They have helped me so many different times to keep a mind straight as to what a pastor is and to my responsibility. Let's read it together. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse number 19, just a few verses of scripture. Paul writes to this church, precious church in Philippi, and he says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. Now, as we read just those few verses of Scripture, we see there's so much, so much in there. The first thing that I notice is Paul realized that the work of overseeing God's people was not a solo effort. That had grown beyond that. Paul sees that it's going to entail a team of people that would oversee and guide the church of Jesus Christ. And so he's writing to Timothy, Timothy who was a son in the faith, one he had great depth of relationship with, one who had walked with the Apostle Paul, served with the Apostle Paul, one who had proved his commitment and his value as a leader of the church of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is sending Timothy, he's no longer there personally to oversee the church. He realizes the need for, a, if you will, a campus pastor, someone that's there to uh, hands-on, and it couldn't just be anybody. It had to be someone who he knew would adequately cover the people that, that, so that that church would know they were loved, that they were cared for, that, that someone that would minister truth under the anointing of the Spirit of God. And so he doesn't write these words in, in, in a vacuum, but rather, he writes them in the context of the second chapter. There at the very opening of that chapter, Paul uh, uh, speaks and he, he puts out a plea, firstly to the church at Philippi, for a spirit of unity to come over that church. Verse number two, he says, fulfill my joy. He's writing to the congregation. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but rather in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of the others within the congregation. Now, why did... Paul write in the context of sending Timothy, why did he write about the importance of unity? Well, the obvious answer is that there was division. 
There was a strife that was happening within the congregation. There were differing opinions that were being expressed there. And probably that, that disunity centered around leadership within the body of Christ. Now, this has always been an issue from the beginning of the book of Acts all the way through the Bible. And what happens when there's disunity or people that are questioning pastoral guidance and leadership, what happens is it weakens the effectiveness of the church. It, it can't do what it's called to do. It can't operate at the level within the community that it's supposed to operate. Now notice something. Here, here's Paul, who is the founder of the church, the leader, but he's not trying to have things his own way. He's not playing favorites here. But literally what he's doing is he's sending Timothy... He's pleading for unity around that leadership so that the church could work together, so that together they could make a difference in people's lives, and together they could be the light of the gospel into the community around the city of Philippi. That is the same reason why we have highlighted our value of unity. We express it this way, together, together. Say that with me, would you? Together. Together. That means we meet together or we come together in person. That's an important part of it. But we don't just come to pr together in person for the fun of it, not just to sing a few songs or, or to teach a message. We have a purpose. Can somebody say amen? It's something not about us. Uh, that's not what the church is for. It's not just our church for us. We are here to reach our community and be the light of the world to our city. That's what God has called us to be. And the only way that can happen is when you have pastoral leadership with unity around it so that together the body can work together, together. We see this principle of unity found throughout the Bible. Even at the beginning, Genesis chapter number 11, the Tower of Babel. And we know that what happens here is that God speaks, looking down from heaven and saying the people have one mind, they have one accord, they speak in the same language, they're trying to build the same city and the same tower. And so God says that these, there's a danger here because nothing they set out to do they won't be able to accomplish because of the unity that they have. That principle is important for us. Let me hear you say amen to that. That together, nothing is restrained to us when we're able to function as a unit the way that God intended us to be. This is the great need of our church and literally any church in the United States of America or the world that we walk together in unity. I'm looking for an amen. Hallelujah. And the pastor's role is to do that, is to lead people not to look out after their own interests or uh, take a particular side, but rather to get people to set aside all of that and instead use uh, and empower people to take their spiritual gifts and begin to work together for a positive purpose, and that is to love one another and to fulfill their divine purpose of loving their community and being the light of Jesus in the middle of a very wicked, a very perverse, a very divided world. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 18 and verse 19. He says, again, 
I say to you, and I'm saying it again, I say to you that if two of you could just come together in agreement concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done of my Father in heaven. So for if two, and then add the third, get another one to come alongside, and that when you're gathered together, there am I in the midst. How many of you know when Jesus is there, everything begins to change? Hallelujah. Now, this has become more and more difficult as people have become more and more polarized. It's like our society has decided there's this line. You agree with me or you're my enemy. Now, this is not a biblical principle, right? This is not a biblical principle. We here in the United States of America are one people. Looking for an amen. Hopefully. We're, we're one people, right? We're on the same team, right? We, we are here to work together to solve issues and problems and to be what God has called us as a nation to be. If you've been in this church for any length of time, you will know that from the beginning, back in 1985 until today, I have preached one recurring theme about the return of Jesus Christ, and that is, as we walk farther and farther into the future, our world is going to become more and more polarized. Now, I've not spoken those words because it's my personal opinion. I've spoken them because that's the opinion of the Word of God. That's what God says is going to happen. And when there's more and more polarization, what happens is lawlessness. Now, you don't have to look any farther than what happened in the nation's capital here in this last little season or in times past as we've marched through this um, unholy, unrighteous time that we seem to be going through. Because the Bible says a sign of the end times is lawlessness where people ignore the law and they begin to riot and they begin to do whatever they think is right. And so you and I have to understand something. There is more and more polarization coming our way. What we see is politics is polarizing people. COVID-19 is polarizing people, people that stand on either side of an issue. We see this happening with people's stance on alcohol and drugs. We see it on the issues of abortion, or homosexuality, and same-sex marriage. We see it on racial issues. And what's happening is our nation is taking sides. This is what I believe. If you don't believe like I believe, then you're my enemy. The antidote for this issue is not to draw up sides, but rather it's to follow truth. And truth can only be found in one place. Jesus said, I am the truth. And folks, we are holding in our hands this morning the truth of Jesus Christ. And so the job of the pastor is not to flame the fires of division and take opinions, put other ministries or churches down. What we are to do is to rally people around the Bible, the Word of God, Jesus the Christ, and you and I are, are, are to be a people that hold on to God's Word. We lean on His Word, not our opinions, not our prejudices, but rather upon the truth that God has given us. 
That's why Paul writes in this same vein, the same uh, portion of scripture, verse number five, he calls for unity and then he says these words, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you see what pastoral leadership does? He calls them back and directs them to become followers of Jesus, not, not going this way and that way. Uh, listen to his words in verse number 14 of that same passage of scripture. He says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the middle of a wicked, crooked, perverse generation so that you can shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So what he's saying to us there is that you and I do everything within the body of Christ, everything within our life without disputing. And what are we seeing today over the internet, over social media, in person, people disputing over every little thing. Give it a rest, folks. Amen. Set it aside, would you? Instead, lift up the thing that can change the world, the truth of Jesus Christ, and hold on to that. Why are we to do that? He says right there, so that you and I can be the light on the hill, so that you and I can talk to people that are tired of hate, that are tired of violence, that are tired of lawlessness, that you and I can be that light in the middle of all the chaos that's going on, a people of peace, a people of love, a people that care about each other and welcome others that are different than ourselves into the house of God because God wants us all to come into the unity of Jesus Christ. So when we read these things, we, we realize this is why the pastor, this is why the shepherd is so valuable. Pastoring is so much more than preaching a sermon. Amen? Do you believe that? It's so much more than that. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy, the one who's taking this church, he's sending to take it over. He says, look, Timothy, I want you to preach the word of God, but be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Instead, they will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth. They'll chase after myths. But you should see, keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of, suffer, afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and carry, fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. And so what he's saying is, yes, you need to preach the word of God, but not off the top of your head. Be prepared. You have to think about things. You have to look at society. You can't get caught up in the emotion. doesn't matter whether the time is favorable or it's not favorable, whether it's a good time or a not such a good time. What you have to do is patiently correct the church. Don't be afraid to tell them, look, this is not an appropriate thing for us as Christians to do. Don't be afraid to rebuke them. 
If they're doing wrong, stand up and tell them that's what's happening. Encourage them and teach them good, sound Bible doctrine. Because he says there's going to become a time when there's going to be other pastors and other leaders that are going to teach things that they want to hear instead of what God says in the word. And folks, I'm telling you, we're seeing this more and more. This is one of the major causes of division. I've had people come up to me, well, this pastor says it's okay to do this. This pastor says it's all right for, the, for this. This is what we should be doing. Listen, everybody's got their own opinion. I'm not here to argue that, but I'm here to pastor, to shepherd this congregation, and I'm here to tell you something. What the Bible says, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to do it our way or what we think is right. We're not going to compromise or slide around on that. God's word is God's word. It's not uh, up for debate today. You and I are going to hold fast to it in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. Amen. There has never been a time that's more important for good, faithful, pastoral leadership. Why? The end times are upon us and a true pastor has to show up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not a time for us to hide out and be safe as everyone is saying today. But instead, we're there to take the one, put him over the shoulder. We're here to preach the truth and guide people in a forward fashion. Why? Because the enemy is out to deceive people. And if you think for a moment, I think for a moment, we're be above being deceived, you are wrong. We are up against an enemy that's smarter than we are. Did you hear that? And so opinions come and go. They are dangerous things to have. I'm telling you right now, this book, if you stand on it and do as Jesus did, you will not be deceived. It is written. Hallelujah. It's the pastor's job to stand in the gap, to teach truth, regardless of what anybody else is teaching. Jesus writes, uh, speaks this in the word of God, Hebrews 13, verse number 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. This scripture in particular is one of the reasons I don't speak on this subject very much, very often. Not my job to tell you, obey me. It sounds funky. It sounds wrong, doesn't it? Because God says it, though, for a reason. He says it this way. The reason you obey your spiritual leaders and do what they're saying is because their work is to watch over your soul. And they are accountable not to public opinion, not to you, but to God. And so he says, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow because that's not a good thing for you. So literally what's happening here is God is speaking and saying, I have given you pastors after my own heart. That's why when you come into a church, not all churches are the same, I understand that, but when you're around a little bit, you should be able to ascertain whether the pastor leads by words alone or words an example, whether they love the flock or don't love the flock, 
And once you've determined that, then you need to learn to obey and learn to walk in lockstep with what they're leading. Let me tell you something. It's not easy to lead in a polarized society. That's why the Apostle Paul's begging the people, let the mind be in you which was also in Christ. Because listen to me, it is a treasure to have what God has gifted the church to have. Ted and Lana Ryback are a treasure to the body of Christ. If you know them at all, if you've been around, you begin to understand something. They are a treasure. Because pastoring is way beyond preaching a sermon, getting people to say amen. It's overseeing the body. And let me just tell you like it is, this is a rare skill set. It's rare. And let me also say, anything valuable, anything rare is also what? Valuable. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I have no one else like Timothy. Sort of a sad statement, isn't it? But, but he says, I don't have anyone else right now who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not what matters to, uh, uh, to Jesus Christ. It's not easy to find Christian leaders who are willing to sacrifice their time, their finances for others. It's, such, it's just not easy. This, the, the, for, for, to find someone that's willing to put their own interests aside, to watch over God's people, this is something that you don't often see. It's not easy to find somebody that will do that willingly and at the same time take the abuse that's a part of hearing what everybody in the church is saying that they disagree with. Ted and Lana are such people. They are a commodity that is extremely valuable. Amen. They have a wealth of experience, lived for God for many years. They've served the body of Christ here for over 10 years in, in the office of a pastoral. And over the years, we've noticed that the deep abiding relationship that they have with God. And so you and I today stand, we're going to lay hands in a few moments over Pastor Ted and Lana because they are a rare commodity. And we will send them, not because they're, it's easy to replace a, a, a campus pastor, but instead, we're sending one we know will genuinely care for the body of Christ there just like I would or Pastor Adam and Sister Carrie would say, amen. Listen to the words of Paul as he speaks to the role of a pastor. Just, just lean in for a moment. These words have guided me and in times when I've felt frustrated and upset about the way things are going, these words have been an inspiration to me. Paul speaks to the role of a pastor, and he says, For we speak, 1 Thessalonians 2, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. What Paul's saying here is he's saying, I'm speaking, and I know that God called me, sent me to speak. And he says, I realize these are not my people, they're God's people. They're purchased by his blood, and I am just to bring the good news, the truth of the gospel to them. 
Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly have a right to make demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but also our own lives. We were visible. He goes on in verse number 11. And you know that we treated each of you like a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Therefore, we never stopped thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think our words as here mere human ideas, but you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. I have pleaded, I have encouraged, I've rebuked, I've challenged many of you. And that's not easy to, to bear, I know that. But friends, I want to tell you something. I have never, ever, this church, my, my son, I know him, obviously, is better than, than most anyone. And my son, same way. He loves people. He cares for people. I know Ted and Lana. I know their hearts for the things of God. We love people. And so when, when direction's brought, let me just tell you something. It's not easy to bring direction in a crazy world. It's not easy to make decisions of how to lead a church through a global pandemic. But I can assure you that everything we have done is not to beat people or you know, to, to, to make them follow, but to the best of our ability, love people, care for them for the best interest that they have, setting aside personal interests. I, 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 this week is we prepared for Adam to go up to Albuquerque for the third anniversary of our campus there and to preach. I was talking to Valentino and Jennifer on the phone, and as I was talking to Valentino, I told him what we would be doing this Sunday. He says, oh, man, that's, that's so exciting for me. He says, if you only knew how much I love Ted, what an influence he made in, his, in, in my life by the example, especially, he said, in my, my, my family, in my in my marriage. He's been such an inspiration and a guide to me. I can tell you that that is exactly why a pastor is so valuable. They're a rare breed. But notice, even beyond being selfless and being valuable, notice that the pastor also has to be tested. It's not enough for a person to stand up and speak words. Anybody can speak words. Anybody can preach God's word. That's, that's beyond that. They have to have a proven track record. In Philippians chapter 2, this, this portion of scripture says, but you know Timothy, you know him in the original language. You know by experience how Timothy has proven himself. 
like a father with a son, or a son with a father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. And so sending to Philippi, sending to Philippi, he, uh, as Paul was doing that, he was sending a proven leader, one with a track record, one that they knew that, that he could entrust with God's church. That would serve under his direction. Timothy understood Paul's heart for the church. And as such, Paul was confident that Timothy was going. It would be the same thing as if he was there, that Timothy would run things the same way. I can tell you that Ted and Lana, Ted served here with me as my assistant pastor for 10 years. And I, I, I can tell you, uh, being my assistant probably was not the easiest thing. I have strong... Uh, leadership skills. It's difficult for me, even at these times, to stand back and, and uh, uh, relinquish that and watch uh, my son take the leadership, strong leadership role that he has. But I can tell you that every step of the way, every decision that I made, and I'm sure there were some that, that Pastor Ted thought, well, maybe I wouldn't do it quite the same way. But he stood with me as, 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 as pastor right along with me every step of the way, what a blessing that has been. He also worked with my son. He's worked with him for years and years, even before he came to our church, doing on conferences for youth, youth ministries, and all of the wonderful things that they've accomplished. And then here, uh, all the things that they worked together uh, for so many years. I can tell you that... Uh, they enjoy a deep, close bond of a relationship that is extremely close. Ted and Lana are respected in this body. Yeah? Can you say amen to that? Yeah. They are respected here. And the reason they're respected is not because of a sermon necessarily, simply because that they have done what the Word of God says. Amen. So today, I'm going to ask Pastor Ted and Lana to come to the platform. As they come, maybe you'd give them a round of applause. And Bonnie, Carrie, if you could come as well. Amen. What a blessing. Like I said in the sermon, there's times that you get to do things that are fun and that are exciting. And uh, of course, this is one of those times. And uh, so today we stand here. I know that Adam would just love to be the one that was standing here with you this morning. Thank God we're getting to the point where we have to have a team that is traveling and doing the, the work of the ministry. Thank God for that. But today, we as a body are going to lay hands on the Pastor Ted and Lana, to take uh, the pastoring the campus, of that campus at the North Campus, to work with us together in lockstep as we fulfill the calling of God that's upon Elevate Ministries. I know that pastors in Ghana today are watching. I know pastors in Mexico today that will be watching, seeing this. I know they'll be cheering you on because many of them know you or know of you. And so maybe you would stand with me today as we lay hands on them in a biblical fashion. 
We lay hands on you, not suddenly, but with a proven track record. So, Father, today, we lay our hands on Pastor Ted Ryback over his precious bride, Lana Ryback. And Lord, as we do, we acknowledge them. We're thankful for them. We're so grateful for the value that they have added to the body of Christ here. We thank you for the Word of God which dwells in their hearts. We thank you for their relationship with you. We thank you for their loyalty, their kindness, their firmness. We thank you for the example beyond what they have preached. And we ask you, Father, now that as we send them to take the charge of this campus, that you would anoint them, that you would bless them, that you would help them. Father, we pray for unity within the body of Christ there. We pray, Father, that there might be a revival that would break forth, and that, God, the heart's desire that's been in this couple for many years, that it be fulfilled. And, Father, it's with great joy and thanksgiving that we release you to do the work of God that he's called you to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you give God praise? Thank you for that. Amen. Maybe you could find a seat for just a moment. I think it's appropriate to give the mic to Ted and Lana before we worship uh, uh, at the end of this service so that they can share their hearts with you. Um, I just want to say I'm excited and um, I know this is a rough hour that we're living in, but if God chooses to use us at this time, you know, he's going to equip us and he's going to help us and we know where our strength comes from. So, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Carl and Bonnie and Adam and Carrie. Thank you for this opportunity. That's what's so great about this church. We have awesome pastors. Amen. Come on. Can somebody agree with me this morning? They, they care about you, legitimately care about you and care about us. And we, we appreciate that more than anything. But we want to thank them for the opportunity to pastor the Fullerton campus. It's, it's an awesome opportunity. And uh, we're excited about it. We, we, uh, we just see all the potential that's there and the people and the building, all kinds, all kinds of potential there. And we're, we're just asking God to help us with that. As, as we uh, pastor there. And, um, you know, we've been in this church almost 20 years. It's like, man, where did those 20 years go? In October, it'll be, it'll be 20 years. And uh, I remember when I first came here, you know, I came in kind of hurt in ministry. I got hurt. And, uh, you know, one day Pastor Carl came up to me. He had been ministering in, in Mexico at a conference. And he goes, you know what? When I was at the conference, I was, I was thinking about you. I said, when did you have time to think about me, man? You're busy preaching and thinking about what you have to say. And he goes, you know, I was thinking about doing, I was thinking about doing this. And he just hugged me. Oh. Every time I talk about it, it still, still brings emotion. Because it showed me that he cared. And, and from that moment on, I think I had a renewed energy to do something for God. And it wasn't long after that that I quit my job and I took a position here as assistant pastor. 
Um, I was here for 10 years serving with Pastor Carl, but I told him I think I was more Adam's assistant than his and what Adam wanted to do. But uh, so I think he's been pastor, lead pastor here longer than what you put him to. But um, it's just been an amazing experience working with Pastor Carl and working with Adam. I love Adam like, my, like the little brother I never wanted. But I respect him because he's my pastor and, and he's an awesome man of God. And like Pastor was saying, you know, Adam cares for people, man. He's, he's not about just being up here and preaching. He preaches amazing, but more amazing than that, he just loves people. Amen. So we're, we're like I said earlier, we're, we're so grateful that we have these pastors. Amen. And we're excited about what God's getting ready to do. You know, this is the third time I got prayed over to do this. They say third time is a charm, right? I guess God saw that we needed to get prayed for three times. So thank God this is the last one. We're going to go and get to work. Amen. Roll up our sleeves and get to work there in Fullerton. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Come on, sing it out today. You take what the enemy meant for real. Stand up. And you turned it for good. You turned it for good. Sing it out to the Lord this morning. Lift it up. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turned it for good. Yes, you did. You turned it for good. Come on, sing it out to the, today to the Lord. Come on. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turned it for good. Yes, you did. You turned it for good. Oh, sing it out You take what the enemy
us to celebrate as a church. What an amazing thing today to be able to send out pastors. It's very exciting, and I'm so pumped to see what God does in the North Campus in the coming years, and I hope you are as well, and I believe that we're going to be hearing great testimony of what God does over there. We want to thank you for coming today and being a part of our service here at Elevate Ministries, and we just say, God bless you as you go from this place. Be the light that God designed for you to be. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on